Hello and welcome to Serene Reflections, a podcast of Dharma Talks from the Wallawa Buddhist Temple. I am Rev. Clarissa Beatty, a Zen monk and Buddhist priest from the mountains of Northeast Oregon, where we practice contemplative meditation, the Chan of Bodhidharma, the Zen of Dogen, the Serene Reflection Meditation of Rev. Master G.U. Kennett. You are invited to let yourself grow naturally still, to let go of the world for a while. Join us in listening in sound, in listening in stillness, turning within to listen from the heart that seeks the way. In a Zen training temple, a monastic ceremony is held called the Mindful Recitation for the Closing of the Meditation Hall. It is held over and over, and throughout summer, autumn, winter, and spring, this simple ceremony holds out a compassionate teaching for new monks as well as seasoned ones. In mid-morning, just before a scheduled rest begins, the community gathers at the entrance to the hall. Seven times in turns, the call to meditation bell is rung and the wooden block struck, recalling the seven Buddhas of the ancient past and the call and response within every heart since before time. The names of the ten Buddhas are recited by the monks in unison, pointing out the many aspects of Buddha appearing everywhere throughout all space, in all activity and in all stillness, whether the hall is open or closed, whether we feel full or empty, whether the sun of our Buddha nature shines bright or can't be seen at this particular time. In the midst of this short ceremony, the precentor recites this verse, reminding us all, The light of Buddha is increasing in brilliance, and the wheel of the Dharma is always turning. These church buildings and this ground are guarding the Dharma and the trainees. All meditations and contemplations are full of treasure and wisdom, and because of them, we are going to pray to the ten Buddhas. This summer I've had the occasion to work clearing the forest path along the wild mountain creek that runs year-round through the lower part of the temple grounds. 
working in close proximity to the roaring water. Its strength, its volume, its relentless energy have all impressed themselves on me on many levels. How the heart leaps up at the boundless exuberance of the tumbling rapids. How the strength of the crashing current focuses the attention on what matters, on keeping my balance on the shore. Having worked away for a time so near the high-running creek, now, when through the air comes the swell of the water's flow, soaring like a chorus through the trees, its song carried some distance up the hill, I am remembered of the startling power of the coursing waters, even in my dreams. This recent encounter with Hurricane Creek leads me to reflect on how we speak of water in our spiritual work. The welling up of the water of the spirit, the flowing stream of compassion, the great ocean of the Dharma. Whence spring such images of water? In our inner work, why do we tend to look deeper only when conditions press us into the chute and over a bed of river rock in a torrent? Even in the midst of difficulty, it is good to do such work, and gratitude flows too, for whatever makes this possible, conditions willingness, even pressure. Like the truth itself, turbulent or still, the nature of water is to be amorphous, in flux, to take the shape of whatever contains or channels it. The rushing stream dwindles to rills over the course of midsummer. In speaking of water's forms, we describe not so much the water itself, but its vessel. It's the river because it travels along in its bed. The water in my cup, upon being swallowed, seeps through my body. Some of it even hydrates the cells of my physical body, becoming part of me. Our human bodies are absolutely dependent on water for life, parched at its lack or overwhelmed by flood. Just so, the water of the spirit, the stream of compassion, cycles through the world in different shapes, circulates within us in an endless flow, now increasing, now distilling to a single drop. Spiritual work is sometimes described as like the digging of an artesian well, the wise advice being to keep digging in one place until you hit water. And then once the water flows of its own accord, with vigilance, keep the flow from becoming blocked. The 
pouring forth of the water of the Spirit, the swift currents of great compassion, are what turn the wheel of the Dharma, like the current of a mill race. The doing of practice, the flowing of the spiritual waters, which comes of doing the practice, is absolutely vital for our spiritual well-being. Here at the temple, this summer brought with it a full creek, tall grass, bright sun. In our weekly recorded Dharma, we've been looking at the most basic of the Buddha's teaching, the Eightfold Path of Buddhism. In the Soto Zen form, following the Eightfold Path comes down to doing the meditation and living by the precepts. When this is done wholeheartedly as an ongoing daily practice, there comes within a glorious summer with abundant flow of water, high grass in the field, and sunlight illuminating all. What do I actually do with my mind during meditation? Neither trying to think nor trying not to think, just sitting with no deliberate thought is the important aspect of serene reflection meditation. That's what Dogen says about formal seated meditation. Reverend Daisui describes meditation in daily life as learning how to bring back the attention with gentleness and persistence. Take a moment to consider this reflection. What do I do? During seated meditation, when being mindful, what do I do? And what does what I do make possible for me? The Eightfold Path was the Buddha's first offering of the Dharma upon becoming enlightened simultaneously with the whole universe. These practices which took him all the way offer us all a way, a gateway, opening onto the path of our own awakening together with all that is. What do I do in the living of my life? In my speech, my behavior, my livelihood, in all these aspects of being, do I take refuge in the Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha? Do I really go for refuge to the three pure precepts in ceasing from evil, doing only good, 
doing good for others. In any matter of importance, do I consider these precepts carefully? Do I honestly try to follow the ten great precepts, having read and thought about them? How do I let go, accept, neither grab on nor push away? How do I make an effortless effort? How do I take refuge within my own Buddha nature and with others who are also training? How may I practice the wisdom of not knowing? the open gateway of the Buddha's Eightfold Path. How may I walk through the gateway daily? Who or what around me is offering teaching this very moment? Look around, see the obvious. Grass grows. In early summer, turn around a week after having mown the lawn and it has grown up again. Walk the prairie paths or the forest trails and the tall seed heads wave and brush like curtains at our passing. Some grasses grow higher than a human head. Like the grass, I grow until the end of my days. One of the teachings offered to monks, offered by monks, through our practice of shaving the head upon entering monastic life and for the rest of our lives thereafter, is that as long as we live, it grows back. Having shaved it all off in the morning, by evening it's already obvious that it's growing back again. So what is to be learned from these examples of what grows and keeps growing? There's no single right answer. It depends on who the teaching is for. What's teaching for one isn't necessarily relevant just now for another, and what's useful teaching for me today isn't always essential for me later on in my unfolding. So we listen carefully. What is good for me to hear today? One way to hear the teaching on growth is that as the grass grows, with perseverance, so we may grow and change in spiritual work. We move on, and we can let go of what we think we know about ourselves, what others have told us about ourselves, growing, going on, to work ever more deeply within the waveless sea. Simultaneously, there is another teaching on the power of growth, 
Karmically speaking, what has cropped up before, though cut off today, needs to be cut again soon, needs regular cutting off, letting go, to keep it from taking over. How may I see clearly what is cropping up in full light? How may I let it dawn on me what needs to be done? As in meditation, when we bring the mind back to just sitting again and again, just so, how may I bring my life's energy back to what truly matters again and again? for as long as I live. Our own compassionate practice is nudging us gently toward the source, toward living from our Buddha heart. When we follow there, Whenever we let ourselves slip into this letting go, even for an instant, letting what is burst forth in its endless full flow, what we experience as self enters the slipstream of what is, and like awakening from an all-absorbing dream, like awaking from the dream, we realize who we truly are, and what is. And like summer, all is enlightened, and the light of Buddha is increasing in brilliance, and the wheel of the Dharma is always turning. In all seasons of the year, in all conditions, persistence in practice will ease the way for the one who yearns to know true peace, the one who lives from the bright, open, clear heart that seeks the way. Thank you for joining us in listening to Serene Reflections from the Heart that Seeks the Way. To learn more about this practice, including more about how to meditate, you are invited to visit our website at walawabuddhisttemple.org. Here, in the Kanzeon Shrine of our Meditation Hall, we offer the merit of our practice of serene reflection meditation to all beings including you, wherever you may be.